We'll be taking a look in a moment here at Psalm 115 and also Lord's Day 47 out of the Heidelberg Catechism. But before we do, we pray God's blessing on his truth, on his word today. Father, we do ask that for Jesus' sake again, that your spirit may be at work in us so that we may exalt your name now and ever more. That your name may be exalted in the ministry of your word today and received to that end in our lives, both here as we praise you for what you have done, and also as we praise you with what we do in light of what you have done from day to day. We'd ask that you'd hear us in Christ's name. Amen. We look to Psalm 115, as I mentioned, and we are working our way through the Lord's Prayer in the Heidelberg Catechism. Thanksgiving section or the gratitude section of the catechism, the very first of the petitions, and that having to be, hallowed be thy name, first request, the first petition out of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. We consider that in accordance, of course, with what Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew 6, but then also in other portions of God's word that we hear the very same kind of, uh, of instruction. Psalm 115 is one of those places to which we go, and we read from that psalm a moment. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Why should the nation say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak, eyes but do not see. They have ears but do not hear, noses but do not smell. They have hands but do not feel, feet but do not walk, and they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them, so do all who trust in them. O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord has remembered us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both the small and the great. May the Lord give you increase, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of man. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any who go down into silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. Thank God for his word there. We take a moment to respond to it. Looking at Lord's Day 47 on page 60 in the Psalter Kimnals. Question 122 is the one question that we have on that Lord's Day. And it says this, what does the first request mean? Hallowed be thy name means help us to really know you. To bless, worship, and praise you for all your works. For all that shines forth from them, your almighty power, wisdom, kindness, justice, mercy, and truth. And it means 
Help us to direct all our living, what we think, say, and do, so that your name will never be blasphemed because of us, but always honored and praised. Thank God again for his word and that we could pray for its blessing upon our lives today. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, most of us, I think, understand as you get up in the morning, or most of you have this experience, or you've had this experience anyway, that when you get up in the morning and you're looking ahead to the day, you've got in your mind, or you've had in your mind, certain things that needed to get completed, certain things that had to be accomplished. And they had to be done before the day was over. And if that particular thing or those series of things weren't able to be done, then there would be a, a sense in which there, there was an incompleteness to the day. Uh, maybe even a sense of that, that things weren't as successful as they could have been. Because you don't want anything to get in the way of those things. Focus on those things. They are, they've become priority for you. And there may be cer certain things that you enjoy doing or the things that maybe you might say, well, I, I'd, rather have, I'd rather be able to do that right now. But because it's such a priority for you, even though you're tempted maybe to set those things aside, you say to yourself, no, first things first. We're going to take care of these things first and then we'll worry about the other things later. Well, when Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus taught us that as with life, as with life, prayer has its priorities. And that, in fact, prayer reflects what life is meant to be in praise and in practice before God. They all link together beautifully. Our prayers, our praise, and our practice in Christ. For whether we speak about those three things, prayer or praise or practice, we're always called to place God first. Like we read in this passage from Psalm 115, the very first verse. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto your name be the glory because of your love and your faithfulness. So whether it's commandment number one, or whether it's Psalm 115, or, or whether it happens to be the first request or the first petition of the Lord's Prayer, or the answer to the question, what is the first and the greatest commandment, whether you're looking at your prayers or your practice or your praise, God comes first. And that's what was true about Christ himself, after all, regarding his Father. And when we've come to know God as our Father through Jesus Christ, the Savior, such is the teaching, and not surprisingly it should be, this is the teaching of prayer also, so that we might be praying that in our praising and in our practice, God might be hallowed. God's name might be hallowed in priority 
for our lives. Our prayers in, are set in that prior way, or they're set straight so that our lives and our liturgy, our worship and our work may be set with priorities straight as well. So tonight we're going to be focusing on the calling of the Savior to set our priorities right in our worship and in our works by also setting our priorities straight in our prayer. And we see that we pray, hallowed be thy name, because we want to worship him for everything that he's done, and because we seek to honor him then in turn in all that we do. So we're, we're seeking his help in worship, that we might praise him for all he's done, but then also to honor him in all that is done in our own life. So we look at that first thing. We pray, hallowed be thy name, because we seek to worship him for everything that he's done, for everything, for all his works. So when we approach the, the petition, there's a presumption that comes alongside of it as we're praying this petition. And that's this. <clears throat> that this hallowing, this honoring, this reverential spirit is, is not something that's always being done by us. And it's not something that's always being done in the world. Otherwise, what's the point? If we're always hallowing and we're guaranteed to hallow, then what's the point of praying for these things? At the end of this passage that we read, or that we read, it says, The dead do not praise God. The dead do not praise God. It's the living who, who do that. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any who go down into silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Now that verse isn't telling us, of course, that those who die and go to be with the Lord don't praise God in Christ's presence. But when it comes to the praise of God here on earth, which God says he's given, we sang it in a way that kind of gave an interpretation to that, that, that we're given dominion here. But when it, it comes to the praise of God here on earth, which the Lord gave the children of men for his praise, it isn't the dead who praise God. Now that seems pretty maybe commonsensical or elementary, but what that tells us is that we live on this earth. You're asking quite, what's, the, what's my point to be here? My point is to praise God. And while we're on this earth, God intends, His calling is for His name to be praised for His love and His faithfulness, for His covenant love and faithfulness. It's not the calling of the dead to praise God here on earth. It's people who are living. We live on earth to worship. When we die, we can't do that on earth anymore. It, it, so we rob God of his glory when we don't see that we were placed on this earth to worship. He gave us a day for worship, for that purpose. 
But people have, on the whole, they have little time to do the very thing they were put on this earth to do. I remember a, a number of years ago when I was living in Illinois and I had to run a late Friday afternoon errand. And it was because, as I recall it, I, I had to go and pick up some some kind of video disc. It tells you, you know, this used to be really uh, technologically something when you did this, right? You were going to take videos of your daughter's graduation. So, but I was out of video discs to do this. So there was a, a Staples down the road, and I thought, you know what, down in Munster, Indiana, and I thought, you know, I'm going to get on the freeway, I'm going to go on the, on the expressway, I'm going to get on I-80 for a minute, which wasn't far from our house, and I just quick go over there, Friday afternoon, just quick over to Munster, Indiana, just quick. No, it was going to be slow to Munster, Indiana, because everybody, as I heard on the radio, was heading to pure Michigan to... Go to the lake. And it sure looked like it. And at the time it took, I could tell that that was the case. I did not make a quick trip to Munster, Indiana. It was a slow trip to Munster, Indiana, because the cars were just packed. And I thought to myself, you know, while I thought, you know, while some of these people no doubt were going to be worshiping while they were getting away, most of them were probably just getting away. They were just going to the lake. I guess that's what pastors think about a little bit. You know, many in our day, you see, have time to get away. It's amazing. You know, you know, you talk to, and that's not true about everybody, obviously. But we live in a time of great mobility. You know, I think about. I was having conversations with some uh, people in the church earlier this week and talking about things that you were able to do when you're, you know, what you couldn't couldn't do years ago. And part of it was that mobility aspect. You just, you just didn't go here, there, and everywhere like it seems like you're able to do today. Many in our time have time to get away. But fewer have time to worship. And yet when Jesus teaches us to pray, He teaches us to, first, to pray first that God's name would be hallowed. We pray that we will make worship a priority in our lives. It makes no sense to pray the Lord's Prayer and to pray that God's name might be hallowed, first of all, if praising God isn't a priority for us. We're not moved to that. This deserving of God, of such praise is laid out in the psalm. It could be that the believer is in, is in exile here, or if he's not, he's in quite the bind. And he's surrounded by unbelief, or the believer in other gods. And they're taunting the believer. Where is your God? Your God is not helping you. Your God has left you. It reminds us a bit of how Jesus was taunted on the cross. Where is your God? If, if, 
If he loves you so much, why are you on the cross? Let him deliver him if he delights in him. And yet Christ, for the joy set before him, endured the cross for his Father's name, for his Father's glory, knowing his Father's sovereign plan for him and for God's people, that the Father was in heaven and did as he pleased. Nobody gave glory to the name of the Father like Jesus Christ did. Nobody revealed the Father's covenant and glorious name of grace and truth of love and faithfulness like Jesus Christ is. As John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And grace and truth were revealed through Him. Love and faithfulness. Nobody gave a person reason to begin worshiping or to maintain the worship and praise of God and make it a priority like Jesus Christ did as he revealed the glory of his Father's name and who he was and what he did and what he did for people. What's remarkable is that while unbelief thinks it's foolish to put God first in one's plans and the proof is in the pudding, right? when everybody goes to the lake but nobody has time to worship, that's a testimony that you know, that that, uh, that people think it's foolish to make worship a priority. But while unbelief thinks it's foolish to put God first like that, with worship and honor, we realize that it's, it's the unbeliever who comes away foolish because the psalmist makes that clear. The psalmist creates mentions that the unbeliever creates his own gods and in that way becomes... God of his gods. And yet trust has made up gods to, to save him and give him purpose for life. Because everybody has some God anyway. Even those who say that it's silly to believe in gods, we all have them. And the psalmist sees how silly it is when it isn't the covenant God of the scriptures. These idols cannot see to know our problem. They can't hear to hear about our problems. They can't give us counsel with mouths to our problems. Their, their hands can't wield power so that their makers can be blessed. Their, their feet cannot come to the rescue so we might be delivered from our problems. Their makers become like what they have made themselves. Blind, deaf, dumb, powerless, defeated, dead. And while unbelief presumes to know God's ways better than God for some reason, our psalmist reminds us that God is sovereign and he does what is good as the one who does as he pleases. Even if, he has, even if he's putting somebody through the trial. Unbelief needs to make up its gods and in that way reveal what their gods want from them and others. And in that way, they show their gods to be no gods at all. The true God is God because he reveals himself as he pleases. To whom he pleases, by his sovereign grace. And not only does he reveal himself as the maker of all things, rather than as the one who is made, it is in that sovereignty that he's also able to remake people by his gracious blessing. 
It's his covenant love and faithfulness that is the reason why he deserves our worship. It's not just to you belong the glory, but because of your grace. Your sovereign grace. And while you'll never be able to count on self-made gods, you'll always be able to count on the God of the covenant. Even when people want to tempt you into believing that in the middle of your trouble, He isn't there. God isn't there for you as, as you might as so you might as well follow your idolatrous way. And that way you would act like the dead who do not praise God. Convinced there's no living God whose name you are to worship or honor. When we think of <clears throat> when we think that God isn't there just because we're having trouble, and, and that trouble can be pretty severe sometimes. Part of the reason could be because we, we think that life is first of all about our name and our survival. We create a God and a Jesus that are they're strictly for us because we're the priority. And we fail to remember as Jesus taught us that what comes first isn't our name. God had to battle that from the beginning. He had to battle that in Babel, where everybody was seeking to make a name for themselves because they thought that was the priority. It isn't the priority. What comes first is the praise of the name of, his, of, God's, of, of the God and Father of Lord Jesus Christ in heaven. We fail to see how big God is. We forget that in his love and his faithfulness, he didn't spare his own son full of grace and truth, and that he's promised to graciously give us all things. Our psalm says things similarly. Israel and Aaron, the membership and leadership of God's people, not just then, but now, the royal priesthood, the church of Jesus Christ. Guess what? God will bless. And he has. And he plays no favorites, small and great alike. A blessing to us and our children, faithful and loving, ever faithful, ever sure. And that's why my worship of his name is to be a priority. And it's to be a priority in my prayers and in my life. Not first because someone, you know, gets on my back to, to make it a priority because it's their priority. Not first because that's, this is where my family goes and I follow along with them. And it's their priority. It might not be mine, but I follow for their sake. And it's not first for culture's sake or tradition's sake. If that's the only reason you come, that's not much. It's not merely because I must. I must, but because when I consider the name of my God, full of love and faithfulness, the God and Father of my Lord Jesus Christ, I know that name deserves my worship and priority, the priority of my worship. Like nothing else. Because of how he is to me. How he is to me. That's why I pray for that name. 
That's why I worship it. That's to be our attitude. And he deserves that priority in our worship and also in all that we do. We do it because of all he does, but we also do it in all we do. Whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we do it all for the glory of God, Colossians 3.17. Not to us, not to us, O Lord, but to your name be glory given. And while these believers here were badgered by unbelievers, it wasn't so much their own relief that they were seeking. What they wanted was the vindication of the Lord's great name. It was as if they were saying, you know, I'm not so worried that my name gets thrown in the mountain mud. I'm more concerned about your name, O oh God. From the outset of the psalm. Not to us. But may your name be glorified. It's a great attitude. And the person who took that to heart like nobody else is Jesus Christ. His heart was troubled as he approached the cross, the righteous for the unrighteous, but he didn't seek to have his life saved by the Father, but he was willing to lose it for the sake of his Father's name so it would be glorified. <clears throat> Nothing was more important to Jesus than to see his Father's name glorified in the one whom he sent. And so in having himself be lifted up to die, he might draw all men to himself. Jesus knew what it meant to set first things first. He was obedient even unto death. And it goes to show that what a sacrificial prayer it is for us to pray, hallowed be thy name. I'm not worried, first of all, about me. I'm more concerned about you. That's a remarkable way to start praying. And that's the remarkable way that Christ was for us. And it also goes to show then how Christ-like this petition really is. Because in everything that Christ did, he honored his Father's name. In everything. And in everything we do, that's our calling as well, as we consider all that Christ did. Not just for his father, but for his father's purposes to save people like us. And so not just when our worship comes from our lips, but also any other time we use our speech. Not just a Sunday relationship with God, but a seven-day relationship with God. Not a relationship with God who gives us stuff for our pleasure, but an honoring of our God even when the going gets rough. To say, when it's getting rough, I am not going to dishonor your name. Hallowed be your name in the midst of things when it's tough. Willing to be living sacrifices as those who consider how Jesus sacrificed to death for us. It's not an attitude then in our praying, in our content of our prayer, in the beginnings of our prayer, in our lives that way too. Not an attitude that, that directs everybody's attention to me. 
because I'm so witty and I'm so funny or I'm so misbehaving or I'm so good or I'm so great or I'm so worthy of fame and glory. No, may I decrease so that the Lord may increase. That's a challenge. Let me be in the background. I mean, a fighter of faith doesn't mean I have to be a wallflower, but but when it's contrasting me and, and my God, let, let me be in the background, let, let God be in the foreground. So that when people see me, they say it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That same attitude. It's also a prayer that others, both in praise and practice as well as prayer, may put aside the idols that would otherwise leave them deaf and dumb and helpless and turn to the one God who can help them and the one God that's worthy of reverence and life. The God that's the reason why we live in the first place. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that people in our family, in our neighborhoods, in the circles in which we find ourselves may also come to set their priorities straight. Because we can be driven, right, by so many different things. And sometimes those things that drive us or those goals that we want to accomplish can even start becoming the ends in themselves. And they're not. It's the glory of the Lord. Yeah, but that's what we want to see when we're praying this. What but God's grace can spoil the tempter's power? We pray that God's in his power will and by his grace that he will see to it that more and more people will hallow the name of the Lord's name. Who better to turn to, to see this happen. But to the very God who, who we confess, if we're coming to Him as our Father, saying, you're the one that changed us from being children of wrath to being children of God so that we're right with you in Christ. You changed us for the better. Who better to change other people's lives for the better than the very one to whom we go and ask that for Jesus' sake, more and more people may come to a hallowing of God's name in their own prayer life, in their own profession, in their own praise of God, in the way they practice their lives every day. May we seek to, to pray as those who want to set our priorities straight, right? It's hard to do sometimes, right? We just, we want to bulldoze right into what it is that we want. Because that's easily the easiest thing. It's 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 who we you know we look at ourselves and say, well, of course I want what's best for me. Jesus taught us to pray what's best for God's holy name. We want to set our priorities straight. And as those who set our priorities straight in that for which we pray. May we also pray that others will set their priorities straight in this world. They would turn from their worthless idols to the living God, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
so that more and more and in every way God might receive the praise and honor from us and others through Jesus Christ as a priority. Until that day comes when every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess to the glory of the Father's name that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Let's take a moment to uh, respond in prayer. Father, we are thankful that you called us again in this evening to steer our focus where it belongs, to set our priorities straight. We, part, we seek your pardon when it is so easy for us to think that it's our own name that is to be the priority. We look out for number one, and number one is who we are. But Jesus taught us about who's number one. And it is not we who are number one. It is the great name of our God. And we would pray then, Father, that in our own lives and the lives of others, that we would find ourselves, even as we have been taught, to really know you, to bless, worship, and praise you for all your works, for all that shines forth from them. And that you'd help us to direct all our living, what we think, say, and do, so that your name, your name will never be blasphemed because of us, but always honored and praised as a priority for our lives. We'd ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.